Chapter Four, Part Two of *The Many-Sided Franklin* by Paul Lester Ford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter Four, Religion, Part Two. Thoroughly out of humor with the faith of his father, Franklin now took a pew in the Episcopalian Christ Church, and there his family henceforth worshipped, there a son and daughter were baptized, and there he and his wife, with two of their children, were eventually buried. Though Franklin rarely attended the service, he concerned himself in the material interests of the church. In 1737, he subscribed to a fund for finishing the new building. In 1751, to one to build a steeple and purchase a chime of bells. And twice he was appointed by the vestry, one of the managers of lotteries, for raising a fund for this purpose. Probably the most amusing relic of his relations with this church was an advertisement in his own paper, anent his wife's prayer book. Quote, taken out of a pew in the church some months since a common prayer book bound in red gilt and lettered d f on each corner the person who took it is desired to open it and read the eighth commandment and afterwards return it into the same pew again upon which no further notice will be taken however franklin the private citizen of tolerant pennsylvania might be left free to think and act as he chose when he became an officeholder of the colony his freedom was curtailed for he was called upon to sign an oath or a test before he was allowed to serve the public by this he was required to quote, solemnly promise and declare that our hearts abhor, detest, and renounce as impious and heretical that damnable doctrine and position that princes, excommunicated and deprived by the Pope or any other authority of the See of Rome, may be deposed or murdered by their subjects, end quote. To, quote, solemnly and sincerely profess and testify that in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper there is no transubstantiation of the elements of bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ, end quote, and, quote, the invocation or adoration of the Virgin Mary or any other saint, or the sacrifice of the Mass, as they are now used in the Church of Rome, are superstitious and idolatrous, end quote, and that, Quote, each of us for himself do solemnly and sincerely profess faith in god the father and in jesus christ his eternal son the true god and in the holy spirit one god blessed for evermore and we do acknowledge the holy scriptures to be by divine inspiration End quote. although the officeholder subscribed over and over again to this oath it was clearly from necessity and not from choice and time did not lessen his dislike of it this was shown in seventeen seventy six when the colonial charter was abrogated and a convention set about the framing of a new government of this body franklin was president and he threw all his influence in favor of doing away with every test and in theory succeeded for the declaration of rights adopted declared quote, 
that all men have a natural and unalienable right to worship almighty god according to the dictates of their own consciences and understanding and that no man ought or of right can be compelled to attend any religious worship or erect or support any place of worship or maintain any ministry contrary to or against his own free will and consent nor can any man who acknowledges the being of a god be justly deprived or abridged of any civil right as a citizen on account of his religious sentiments or peculiar mode of religious worship and that no authority can or ought to be vested in or assumed by any power whatever that shall in any case interfere with or in any manner control the right of conscience in the free exercise of religious worship End quote. When it came to reducing this theory to practice, however, Franklin could not bring the convention to make its liberality concrete, and it decreed that however free its citizens might be in their belief, before they could serve as lawmakers, they must swear, quote, I do believe in one God, the creator and governor of the universe, the rewarder of the good and punisher of the wicked, and I do acknowledge the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. End quote. Concerning this, Franklin wrote to the Reverend Dr. Price quote, I agreed with you in sentiments concerning the Old Testament, and thought the clause in our Constitution, which required the members of assembly to declare their belief that the whole of it was given by divine inspiration, had better have been omitted that i had opposed the clause but being overpowered by numbers and fearing more might in future times be grafted on it i prevailed to have the additional clause that quote, no further or more extended profession of faith should ever be exacted end quote. i observed to you too that the evil of it was the less as no inhabitant nor any officer of government except the members of assembly was obliged to make that declaration so much for that letter to which i may now add that there are several things in the old testament impossible to be given by divine inspiration such as the approbation ascribed to the angel of the lord of that abominably wicked and detestable action of jael the wife of heber the kenite if the rest of the book were like that i should rather suppose it given by inspiration from another quarter and renounce the whole End quote. In leaving the Presbyterian and allying himself with the Episcopalian Church, it is not to be inferred that Franklin became, in any sense of the word, a sectarian, and this fact was so well recognized by his fellow townsmen that, in a dispute over a vacancy in a board of trustees constituted of one from each sect, the mutual jealousy of the differing religions was finally ended by the nomination of Franklin, Quote, with the observation that I was merely an honest man and of no sect at all, which prevailed with them to choose me. End quote. His actual attitude toward churches he described as follows quote, I had been religiously educated as a Presbyterian, and though some of the dogmas of that persuasion, such as the eternal decrees of God, election, reprobation, etc., appeared to me unintelligible, others doubtful, and I early absented myself from the public assemblies of the sect, Sunday being my studying day, I never was without some religious principles. I never doubted, for instance, the existence of the deity, that he made the world and governed it by his providence, that the most acceptable service of God was the doing good to man, 
that our souls are immortal and that all crime will be punished and virtue rewarded either here or hereafter these i esteemed the essentials of every religion and being to be found in all the religions we had in our country i respected them all though with different degrees of respect as i found them more or less mixed with other articles which without any tendency to inspire promote or confirm morality served principally to divide us and make us unfriendly to one another this respect to all with an opinion that the worst had some good effects induced me to avoid all discourse that might tend to lessen the good opinion another might have of his own religion and as our province increased in people and new places of worship were continually wanted and generally erected by voluntary contribution my might for such purpose whatever might be the sect was never refused so too writing of a particular sect franklin said quote, i do not desire it to be diminished nor would i endeavor to lessen it in any man but i wish it were more productive of good works than i have generally seen it i mean real good works works of kindness charity mercy and public spirit not holiday-keeping sermon-reading or hearing performing church ceremonies or making long prayers filled with flatteries and compliments despised even by wise men and much less capable of pleasing the deity the worship of god is a duty the hearing and reading of sermons may be useful but if men rest in hearing and praying as too many do it is as if a tree should value itself in being watered and putting forth leaves though it never produced any fruit as already indicated franklin was no sabbatarian and during his early life set apart that day for study and writing later when in france he adopted the custom of the country and observed it as a fete day on which he entertained friends went to the play or opera amused himself with chess or cards and made merry in other ways to the no small scandalizing of the more puritanical americans who saw or heard of the conduct of their commissioner and minister he himself had no sympathy with the new england sunday and long before he went to france he had written to a connecticut friend quote, when i travelled in flanders i thought of your excessively strict observation of sunday and that a man could hardly travel on that day among you upon his lawful occasions without hazard of punishment while where i was every one travelled if he pleased or diverted himself in any other way and in the afternoon both high and low went to the play or the opera where there was plenty of singing fiddling and dancing i looked around for god's judgments but saw no signs of them the cities were well built and full of inhabitants the markets filled with plenty the people well favored and well clothed the fields were tilled the cattle fat and strong the fences houses and windows all in repair and no old tenor i e paper money anywhere in the country which would almost make one suspect that the deity is not so angry at that offence as a new england justice End quote. as can readily be conceived franklin's non-attendance at church and his general disrespect for doctrinal religion were a sore trial to his puritan family and several of them argued and remonstrated with him on the error of his ways to his father and mother he replied 
Quote, you both seem concerned lest I have imbibed some erroneous opinions. Doubtless I have my share, and when the natural weakness and imperfection of human understanding is considered, the unavoidable influence of education, custom, books, and company upon our ways of thinking, I imagine a man must have a good deal of vanity who believes, and a good deal of boldness who affirms, that all the doctrines he holds are true, and all he rejects are false and perhaps the same may be justly said of every sect, church, and society of men, when they assume to themselves that infallibility which they deny to the Pope and councils. I think opinions should be judged of by their influences and effects, and if a man holds none that tend to make him less virtuous or more vicious, it may be concluded he holds none that are dangerous, which I hope is the case with me. I am sorry you should have any uneasiness on my account, and if it were a thing possible for one to alter his opinions in order to please another, I know none whom I ought more willingly to oblige in that respect than yourselves. But since it is no more in a man's power to think than to look like another, methinks all that should be expected from me is to keep my mind open to conviction, to hear patiently and examine attentively whatever is offered me for that end, and if after all I continue in the same errors, I believe your usual charity will induce you to rather pity and excuse than blame me. In the meantime, your care and concern for me is what I am very thankful for. My mother grieves that one of her sons is an Arian, another an Arminian. What an Arminian or an Arian is, I cannot say that I very well know. The truth is, I make such distinctions very little my study. I think vital religion has always suffered when orthodoxy is more regarded than virtue, and the scriptures assure me that at the last day we shall not be examined what we thought, but what we did, and our recommendation will not be that we said, Lord, Lord, but that we did good to our fellow creatures. See Matthew 25. End quote. In much the same vein, he answered a chiding letter from his favorite sister. Quote, there are some things in your New England doctrine and worship, he told her, which I do not agree with, but I do not therefore condemn them or desire to shake your belief or practice of them. We may dislike things that are nevertheless right in themselves. I would only have you make me the same allowance and have a better opinion both of morality and your brother. When you judge of others, if you can perceive the fruit to be good, don't terrify yourself that the tree may be evil, but be assured it is not so, for you know who has said, Men do not gather grapes of thorns and figs of thistles. All through life Franklin preached this religion of works and not of doctrine. In one of his letters he imagines a man at the gates of heaven and applying for entrance on the ground that he was a Presbyterian. What is that? demands St. Peter, and when he is told, says, We don't have any here. So in succession the applicant mentions different religions, but each time is rebuffed with the information that there are none of that persuasion in heaven. Finally the man sees his wife through the gate, and claims that if she is there, so he should be, for they were of the same religion on earth. Oh, said St. Peter, why didn't you say you were a Christian to begin with? Another tale which Franklin wrote for a French abbé, though an apparent contradiction, in truth had the same moral. Quote, 
an officer named montresor a worthy man was very ill the curate of his parish thinking him likely to die advised him to make his peace with god that he might be received into paradise i have not much uneasiness on the subject said montresor for i had a vision last night which has perfectly tranquillized my mind what vision have you had said the good priest i was replied montresor at the gate of paradise with a crowd of people who wished to enter and st peter inquired of every one what religion he was of one answered i am a roman catholic well said st peter enter and take your place there among the catholics another said he was of the church of england well said the saint enter and place yourself there among the anglicans a third said he was a quaker enter said st peter and take your place among the quakers at length my turn being come he asked of what religion i was alas said i poor jacques montresor has none tis a pity said the saint i know not where to place you but enter nevertheless and place yourself where you can as this would indicate franklin had that rarest kind of tolerance which tolerates the opinions of others and though he laughingly asserted that orthodoxy is my doxy and heterodoxy is your doxy his whole life was one contradiction of the epigram for the faith or lack of faith in his circle of friends ranged from that of the most doctrinal of ministers to the most radical of freethinkers for such rigid puritans as the reverend doctors cooper and mather of boston for the enthusiast whitefield for the anglican bishop of st asaph and for the abbes de la roche and morlay he showed as much affection and respect as he did for hume lord le despensier thomas paine and others closer in accord with his own views nor was it ever a one-sided regard no man in pennsylvania exercised such influence over the quakers massachusetts made him her agent in great britain and he served her faithfully even to the defending of her religious intolerance against english criticism in france the papal nuncio consulted him frequently and followed his advice in the changes the revolutionary war made possible or necessary in the catholic church of america absolutely unsectarian as he was franklin apparently was trusted by all sects and he seemed never to have refused a service that he could render any one of them some few special incidents are worth noting as throwing light on the attitude of the man in seventeen thirty nine the reverend george whitefield the itinerant came to america and quote, was at first permitted to preach in some of the churches but the clergy taking a dislike to him soon refused him in their pulpits and he was obliged to preach in the fields it being found inconvenient to assemble in the open air subject to its inclemencies the building of a house to meet in was no sooner proposed and persons appointed to receive contributions but sufficient sums were soon received to procure the ground and erect the building which was one hundred feet long and seventy broad about the size of westminster hall of this building franklin was made a trustee and undoubtedly he was largely responsible for the liberality which dedicated it to quote, the use of any preacher of any religious persuasion who might desire to say something to the people of philadelphia the design not being to accommodate any particular sect but the inhabitants in general so that even if the mufti of constantinople were to send a missionary to preach mohammedanism to us he would find a pulpit at his service End quote. 
Franklin relates that Whitefield, quote, used indeed sometimes to pray for my conversion, but he never had the satisfaction of believing that his prayers were heard. Ours was a mere civil friendship, sincere on both sides, and lasting to his death, end quote. He adds an incident which, quote, will show something of the terms on which we stood, end quote. Having asked Whitefield to make his home with him while in Philadelphia, quote, he replied that if I made that kind offer for Christ's sake, I should not miss of the reward. And I returned, don't let me be mistaken, it was not for Christ's sake, but for your own sake. One of our common acquaintance jocosely remarked that, knowing it to be the custom of the saints, when they received any favor, to shift the burden of the obligation from off their own shoulders and place it in heaven, I had contrived to fix it on earth. End quote. A would-be service on behalf of episcopacy had, if anything, even less religious feeling in it. In 1770, Lord Le Dispenser, one of King George's privy councillors, was made joint postmaster-general of Great Britain. Despite these public offices, he was best known to his own generation as the abbots of the famous monks of Medmenham a club the purposes and meetings of which modelled upon those of the ancients were at once the most libertine and the most impious known to modern times no immorality or blasphemy being too gross for their orgies the baron apparently thinking his own reformation either impossible or too great a task undertook the reformation of the book of common prayer as postmaster-general for america franklin was thrown into close relations with his chief and becoming a friend as well visited lord le despenser at his country home his host begged his aid in the revision of the prayer-book asking franklin to take as his share quote, the catechism and the reading and singing psalms these i abridged by retaining of the catechism only the two questions what is your duty to god what is your duty to your neighbor with answers the psalms were much contracted by leaving out the repetitions of which i found more than i could have imagined and the imprecations which appeared not to suit well the christian doctrine of forgiveness of injuries and doing good to enemies the book was printed for wilkie in st paul's churchyard but never much noticed some were given away very few sold and i suppose the bulk became waste paper the Anglican Church did not take kindly to an improvement from such a source, but in America, where the book was known as Franklin's Prayer Book, it attracted attention, and when, after the separation, the Episcopal Church in this country set to work to frame a ritual, the clergyman who prepared the proposed prayer book studied this abridgment with care and adopted certain ideas from it. End of chapter 4, part 2